You're listening to the voice of the Caribbean radio, your source for news, sports, and entertainment in the Caribbean. Welcome to another edition of Let's Talk St. Kitts Nevis here on Voice of the Caribbean Radio at Voice of the Caribbean. And uh, today we have a very interesting show. We'll be talking uh, racial inequality as we see the protests in the United States after the killing of George Floyd, an unarmed black man in Minneapolis. Uh, we'll be talking with Dr. Will Moreland. He is an African-American living in the Caribbean, uh, but one who has a lot of experience dealing with racial injustice. He was also in the military. And so we'll certainly be getting his views on what's happening in the U.S. and what needs to happen to fix uh, things in the United States as it relates to racial injustice. We'll also be asking him what impact this will have on the Caribbean. All that is coming up on today's edition of Let's Talk St. Nevis as we focus on racial injustice around the world, not only in the U.S., but around the world as well. We'll take a break, though, and be right back. When we come back, we'll be linking up with Dr. Moreland. This is VOC Radio, the voice of the Caribbean. In stressful times, you need relief, a way to release your stress and care for your health. You, you need, need serenity. serenity. Yes, Serenity, serenity Mobile Spa, Spa, where we come to your home and offer the very best in massage and spa treatment. Your health is our priority as we practice the highest hygiene procedures before, during, and after your treatment. Choose from massages to meet your physical needs, scrubs, facials, waxing, and much more. We also provide our customers a complimentary serving of refreshing local coconut water with each massage. During these restricted times, we urge our customers to stay healthy. We will come to you. Call us at 762-0157 or 760-8899. Find us on Facebook, Serenity Mobile Spa Sinkate, or email us at serenitymobilespa. 869 at gmail.com. Serenity Mobile Spa. Auto Plus Car Wash, located on the Collins Street Gut, Bastier St. Kitts. Bring your car to Auto Plus Car Wash to remove water stains, wiper marks, get your doors, roof panel cleaned, seat floor mats, buffing, headlights, and engine wash. You get quality service at the best price at Auto Plus Car Wash. They really care for your car. Call 765-5140 or visit them on the College Street Gut, Bastier St. Kitts. Auto Plus Car Wash, where the service is number one. KVK Enterprises at Boyd's Housing Development, Trinity Parish, St. Kitts. For all your t-shirt printing, banners and signs, promotional products, shipping, motivational speeches, computer classes, agro-processing, art and craft, and desktop publishing. Come to KVK Enterprises at Boyd's Housing Development, Trinity, St. Kitts. Telephone 661-0118 or 765-7270. Email drkhrystus at kvklives.com or visit www.kvklives.com. KVK Enterprises. Voice of the Caribbean Radio, VOC Radio. Stay locked on. This is VOC Radio, the voice 
Off the Caribbean. Welcome back to Voice. Welcome back to Let's Talk Sinkies Nevis here on Voice of the Caribbean Radio at voiceofthecaribbean.net. And as I promised you just before we went on break, we'll be joined now by Dr. Will Moreland. Uh, he's a motivational speaker, uh, a man of all seasons, if you ask me. He's quite very, he's very. Uh, you know, talented, if I may put it that way, an African-American who uh, certainly has a vast experience um, and certainly can relate to what's happening right now in the U.S. Dr. Moreland, good morning. How, how are you doing? Good morning. Good morning. I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Yes, certainly great to have you. Well, first of all, I just want you to give us a background of, of yourself uh, to tell our listeners uh, who you are, what do you do, and uh, then we can go into the, the meat of the matter. Yeah, so as not to take up too much time or, or bore your listeners, I'll just say what I've done for the last 20 years. And um, I'm a military veteran, served eight years in the United States Army. And right after my service, I started a leadership and personal development uh, company in Germany while I was living there. So I lived in Germany for 15 years, building my company. And in 2010, I moved that company to Phoenix, Arizona. And then in 2020, I moved to the beautiful island of St. Martin, where I work with leaders, entrepreneurs, business owners to help them maximize their voice and build their business, their brand and their bank account. So that's it in a short what I do, my man. All right. Great. And, and it's certainly and I had the pleasure of meeting you a few years ago at one of your seminars uh, in St. Martin. And, and certainly we've been connected since then. It's a pleasure to know you. Um, you. Also, um, you talked about being in the military, and also you come from a, a community in the U.S. Um, that has a, 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 a past of being a rough community uh, for African Americans in Compton, USA. Talk to us about you know what it was like growing up in Compton and how you managed to transition from what many people would probably think uh, someone from Compton would do to what you're doing now. Yeah, that's exactly right, Andre. I was uh, raised in Compton, California, and during my time in Compton, Compton was said to be the worst city in America. So if you can imagine that, 50 states, how many cities are in those 50 states? Thousands of cities, and they pinpointed our city as the very worst city in America. And that was because of the gang violence, uh, the drug dealing, and the drug abuse that was going on in my community. And as a young African-American man being raised by my single mom and my grandmother, I found myself um, very influenced by uh, the negative environment that I was around. So I myself found myself in trouble. Uh, I, I, joined, I joined a gang early on um, and um, was really headed down the wrong road and um, was constantly getting in trouble until... Um, I ended up actually getting arrested. I was in front of the judge. And when you asked me kind of how was I able to 
uh, changed my life, I call this incident a, uh, a disruptive, and I call this gentleman a disruptive. Um, speaking of the judge, I got in front of the judge, and the judge said, young man, you're headed nowhere fast. What are you going to do with your life? Why shouldn't I put you in jail right now? And he said, I'm going to allow you to leave my courtroom and give you two weeks to come back to my courtroom to tell me what you're going to do with your life. And I had literally no clue what I was going to tell this judge in two weeks. But thankfully, the stars aligned. And uh, during that two-week time frame, I met a military um, recruiter, an army recruiter. And this army recruiter, he looked at me and he asked me, did I want to join the military? And uh, I thought in that moment, I said, you know what? If I joined the military, I know this would be something good that I could go back and tell the judge and he wouldn't put me in jail. And that's initially how I got into the military and began to change my life. Wow, that's an amazing story. Now, you, you mentioned earlier about Compton and, what, and the reputation Compton had back in the day when you grew up. Um, were you, did you, at any point in time during you know, your time living in Compton, encounter the kind of things that we're seeing happening now in the U.S., uh, which we understand has been happening now for years, and we could go all the way back to the late 80s, early 90s with uh, uh, Rodney King and what, what transpired then. Uh, did you ever come across the kind of uh, racial profiling that we see happen to a lot of African Americans in the U.S. today when you were growing up? So definitely when I was growing up, and this is, this is no exaggeration, um, maybe three to four times out the week, um, we would get harassed by the police, whether we were just walking down the street or hanging out at the park or anywhere they felt we shouldn't be, you would automatically get, um, you would automatically get pulled over, get questioned, get harassed. Um, I can't even count how many times I've been put in handcuffs and set on the side of the um, set on the side of the road because I fit the description, or they just wanted to ask questions. So definitely, what we see, and that's probably the most saddest thing for me, is now forty years later, thirty years later, we're still seeing and experiencing the same. Thing. You know, um, one of the things that I like to do is like to listen to music because music is usually a, a reflection of what's going on, especially if you have music that talks about where you live. And certainly that's what hip hop did. And so if I go back and I listen to people like Ice Cube and Ice-T and Dr. Dre and N.W.A., the same thing that they were talking about in 1980 and 1990 is the same thing that you see today. And, and I'm glad you brought that up because that was some of the things that, uh, I mean, I think a lot of Americans weren't even aware, uh, and people across the world, like here, us here in the Caribbean, weren't aware that all this was happening in, in the USA to, to African Americans until NWA, as you, you pointed out, and Ice Cube, they came out um, with a song that was very controversial against the police officers. Um, when you look and see what's happening today in the U.S., I mean, just talk to us how, how you feel about that, because you're talking about, you know, many years ago in Compton, the kind of uh, situation, the experience you have, and you're seeing this happening today. I guess the only reason why we're more aware of it now is because of technology and everyone has a smartphone and they can pull it out and switch on the camera and, and record things, as was the case with George Floyd. But what do you, how do you feel as an African-American seeing that 30 years, 40 years later, we still have the same issues? 
Yeah, so exactly what you said, this has always been happening, but now we have our cell phones. We have these devices where now we can start recording what was going on. So back in the NWA days and back in the early 90s, they were singing about it. And it was still hard for people to imagine that that could be going on because, you know, in large part, and this is what I truly believe, in large part, the majority of police officers and law um, enforcement officers are good individuals. The problem is they have a occupation where you can't afford to have any bad apples. You know, it's like uh, an airline telling you, most of our pilots are good. Well, that's not what you want to hear when you're getting ready to go fly. You don't want to hear yeah. most of our pilots will get you there safely. So for law enforcement, you have one of those professions, just like in education. Um, most of our teachers are good. Just a few of them don't care. Well, in those types of professions, you can't have those types of individuals. So what I see now, um, you know, with, uh, these protests that are literally going on around the world. Um, I'm excited for the protests, but at the same time, I'm disheartened why we're protesting. I'm, I'm saddened that in 2020, we still have to be talking about this issue. But I think with the death of George uh, Floyd and actually um, the murder, and for me, what I saw, Andre, I literally saw a man get lynched in 2020. And I think now that is the outcry that you're seeing. You know, when we talk about all the other ones, Breonna Taylor and, and Trayvon Martin, there was always some kind of gray area that for people who didn't want to believe that there was police brutality, well, if you just would have complied, if they wouldn't have wrestled, if they would have just did this or did that, so they had kind of an out. But when you saw what happened to George Floyd, this man laying on the ground, this man crying out, I cannot breathe, this man calling for his mother. You almost have to be blind or you almost have to just want to be a racist to then deny that is not right. And then right after this, we have in Atlanta, another young man gets shot in the back and get killed. And that really has blown my mind. I would think as a police officer in those types of situations, that is the last thing, especially in this climate, that you would want to do. But that talks, Andre, to the problem, the mindset of particular officers where they feel that this is open season, that this is their opportunity to shoot someone. And that is the sad thing. You know, as you as you talk about that, too, we see before I even get to that part, why is this still happening? I mean, we're 2020. We saw the civil rights movement back in the 50s and the 60s and what people like Malcolm X and Dr. Martin Luther King fought for and many other civil rights leaders. And we're still in 2020, you know, talking about just the right for people of Africa of, of color to live, to live or, or to, you know, if they're pulled over by the police. That, that encounter does not end in them being killed. Why are we still having this? Why is, why is it that we still can't seem to get over the hump? Well, racism and biases, you know, these are all taught and they're observed. 
even if you're not specifically teaching your child to be racist, your actions and your environment, how you set it up. And so if you really think about it, though, Andre, 1965, 1968, the civil rights movement, that really wasn't that long ago. I was uh, just looking at a sign uh, somebody posted on Facebook, and the sign said, no coloreds allowed, no coloreds allowed. That was in 1965. That's 50 years ago. That's not that long ago. So what does that really mean? That means people who think like that are still alive. They may not be saying it loud, they may not be uh, walking around with a KKK mask, but that mindset is still here. So if that person is 70 years old and they have a child that's 50 and that child that's 50 have a child that's 30 and that 30 year old is now on the police force, they've been taught this for generations that the black race is inferior, that the, the black race is dangerous. When I travel around the United States and around the world, and teach on diversity and inclusion, one of the slides that I use in my presentation is a slide of a pit bull. Now, if you know about the pit bull, um, immediately for most people, when they see a pit bull, they think this is a dangerous dog. They think this is a dog that's going to attack them. The same thing happens for many uh, white individuals when they see a black person immediately for them, that's a sign of danger. So when I get into uh, an elevator uh, with a white lady and she clutches her purse, in her mind, I'm there to rob her. Even though I'm in a suit that probably costs more than the money she has in her pocketbook. Even though I'm a millionaire and to probably buy, you know what I mean? She's thinking this guy yeah. is dangerous. Right. Mm-hmm. She's thinking this guy is dangerous. It's because of the, the, the brainwashing, literal brainwashing, you know, that has been going on in the United States and literally around the world as it relates to people of color. When you start to think about this, Andre, and I, I posted this on my Facebook the other day, Santa Claus, white, Snow White, white, the Easter Bunny, white. A black cat, dangerous. Black male, mm-hmm. bad. Black sheep, bad. Which the is, ugly duckling, black. Yeah, and which is dressed in black. It, which is dressed in black, right? It's now the bad witch is all black. So now, unconsciously, you begin to now teach that black is bad, white is good. Black is bad, white is good. When I grew up watching television, the shows that were on TV, good times, what was good about struggling, but they called it good times. When you looked at Sanford and Son, so the only black representation that we had was that we were servants or that we were struggling. Finally, you know, we get the, the Cosby show, and this wasn't until the late 80s. But by that time, the old saying is, the damage has been done. Like when we saw the Cosby show, the Cosby show was like an anomaly. It wasn't something that was normal. It was like, oh, wow, a black person can be a doctor. Oh, wow, a black person can be a lawyer. We're still 
and it happens even on the black side. We're still amazed when they say the first black whatever. Here we are in 2020, and we're still excited about the first black whatever. Like we're not capable of doing amazing things. It's like a shock that, oh, he's a neurosurgeon. Oh, he's the engineer. Oh, we have a black astronaut. Even on the black side, psychologically, we have been raised and to be taught that the, the white man was superior to us. Yeah, and, and it still exists today. And a lot of people, and, and even you know, people of color themselves, sometimes think you know, in that way that we are not as great as we can be and as we should be because of the stereotype that is seen. But on that note, are we guilty, and are we speaking of we uh, black people, guilty of perpetuating the stereotype? Because we spoke earlier about um, NWA, and uh, they expressed themselves about what they were going through in Compton at the time. Um, we still resonate with a lot of people today. But then, you know, it's, it's to some people, and especially to, the, to, to whites, they're like, well, you know, why are you so angry? You know, this, the angry black man syndrome, so to speak. And so it sort of buys into the stereotype that, you know, black people are violent and, and we're dangerous. Then also when you look at what's happening now with the protests, you know, I was just looking at a clip, it was on Fox, I think it was, or one of those networks, um, where um, the looting that was taking place in one of the cities, and everyone you see coming inside in Walmart were all black. So people watch this and they're thinking, well, you know, we're, we're just hooligans. Are we, are we to blame sometimes for the stereotype or perpetuating it? Well, I always like to think whenever someone asks me that question, are black people perpetuating uh, this image? You know, when you think about the, the lion and the deer, if you ask the lion about the hunt, he has a different story than the deer. And so when I look at this, I believe that all voices need to be heard. All perspectives need to be heard. The problem that we're having is it's only one side being told. So when you watch a Fox News, they're only perpetuating one side because there weren't only just black people looting. There were white people, Latino people, Asian people, all types of people looting. Here's the problem that we're having, Andre. It's who's directing the narrative. Who's directing the narrative? Um, in America, we have, and you know, I'm just going to be totally blunt and honest with you. So in America, if you look at classifications, you have what we call um, upper class uh, African-Americans. You would have what we call our middle class um, uh, African-Americans. You would have what we call our ghetto African-Americans. You would have what we call our hood African-Americans. Here's the interesting thing. If you go on the white side, the white side has the same thing. You would have your upper class, your upper class whites. You would have your middle class whites. You would have what you call trailer park trash whites. And then, then you, would, you would have your rednecks. So every group has a classification. The problem is, is who's telling the message? See, even when, if we go back to TV, even when they had this show called The Beverly Hillbillies, the Beverly Hillbillies was about a backwards white family, but guess what? They're rich and they get to live in Beverly Hills. So even though they depicted their lowest class individuals as hillbillies, they still made them rich. So it's now who's telling the story. You got to ask yourself who's telling the story. Now as African-Americans, can we do better 
in imagery. You know, I tell people all the time as I travel all around the world, I always consider myself as an ambassador for African-Americans, meaning when I go to India, when I go to uh, regions in Africa, when I go to Asia, Asia, I may be the only representation of an African-American that they ever see or ever meet. So I have to be on my best behavior. So that image that you talked about earlier is not perpetuated. But at the same time, we have to, that's why it's so powerful for an individual like you and your show, we have to start telling our own narratives. Yes, are there ghetto black people? But yes, there's a, there's a Andre as well. There's a Dr. Will as well. I know hundreds and thousands of well-to-do African-Americans. We're not seeing that. That's not uh, being exposed in our schools. You know, I didn't get a picture of what a successful African-American man looked like until I was in my 20s. And that's the problem that we're having. Yeah. W one of the things, too, that um, we, as you talk about the, the narrative and who's actually, you know, telling the story, um, we, we see a lot of, there are a lot of influential and very successful African-Americans um, in the entertainment industry, especially. And then we're seeing more and more of them coming out in, in, um, in, in also in media and, and, and communications as well. What will it take though? Because even though we've had that, we have seen the success of, of these persons, there still seems to be a ceiling that we're not hitting and, 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 and the, the area of influence that we, we still need to have in the US. What is it gonna take to have African-Americans in influential positions, um, having more diversity in even in the entertainment industry. Just a couple of years ago, and even last year, we heard all the discussion about the Oscars being too white, you know, and all these things. And after all these years, with all the success that we've had as African Americans in theater and film, we still have this discussion in 2020. So we're going to have to do something that most people aren't com comfortable with, and that is sacrifice. And when I say the word sacrifice, that means we're going to have to create our own lanes. We have to become owners instead of just players. So when you look at entertainment, when you look at the athletes, they're players. They're not owners. So the owner controls the game. The player can just play the game. So we now have to start owning our own lanes. When you look at basketball, when you look at football, we're 70 to 80% of that population. But when you look at ownership, if you look at the 32 owners in the NBA, there's only one black owner, that's Michael Jordan. And he had to, um, he had to become the best player ever to even be considered to be able to uh, own a basketball team. So when I start talking about sacrifice, the black community, the African-American community has to say, okay, I can't keep going to my oppressor asking my oppressor to lift me up. I have to be able to be an entrepreneur. So the African-American community needs to get an entrepreneur mindset to say, you know what? We need to build home. You know what? Black Hollywood may not be as yet big as Hollywood, but we have to start somewhere. Um, you know, our basketball league may not be as big as the NBA, but the NBA is nothing without us. So let us come together. Let us sacrifice. We may have to sit out a year for them to listen to our demands. Are we willing to do that? And that's probably the biggest hurdle I see for us doing that. So what I, what I tell people to do before the collective 
before we get there as a community, let's get there as an individual. And what does that mean? That means taking personal responsibility for your own economy, for your family. What, what is your family doing to put yourself in a better position? And I think if we start there, now you have Andre making his family better. You have Will making his family better. Now you have two better families. Now let's go find two other better families. Now let's create a community. Mm -hmm. And let's keep growing from there before I believe that you can get the collective to all agree that this is what we need to do. You know, it's funny as you speak about um, the... Uh, whether NBA players probably need to lock out. There's actually a report now that um, some players are considering sitting out of the league because of what's going on in the country. And so this that may very well happen, but we'll see what, what happens from there on. Um, on that note, though, let me also talk. go back to the protests. Uh, we've seen the protests now spread all across the U.S. It's even spreading internationally as well. We've seen in London, we've seen in Jamaica and other places that you know protest action is, is taking place. The, the protest, though, has in some instances, in a lot of instances, uh, been uh, violent in some cases. We've seen looting. We've seen um, a lot of things happening across the nation. Uh, is this somewhat undermining? And I understand, and we've seen imagery of even some persons trying to undermine the protest by uh, committing these acts and people who have no interest whatsoever in what is being done. Even some white people have been doing that. Do you think that the, that the violence is somewhat undermining the, the objective the main objective of the protest actions? You know, um, I've been looking at the protests like most of the people have, and what I'm seeing is um, the world now saying enough is enough. And I don't believe, you know, it's unfortunate for the looting um, to be going on, but I don't think that's strong enough to undermine. When you start looking at um, all the corporations, when you look at what NASCAR just did to say they're not going to allow the Confederate flag, when you say, um, when you look at um, what's going on in Congress, they want to bring down all the Confederate statues now. So I think um, some very good is going on. Yes, with, with, whatever you do, you're always going to have that uh, negative element that come in and try to destroy it. But overall, I really believe that um, the movement is not going to go away. I really believe that uh, the murder of George, um, uh, uh, George Floyd is a catalyst to what we're seeing, because once again, there is literally no way. And uh, let me say this, Andre, the problem that um, we've been having in America is not African-Americans saying there's an injustice. We've been having an issue with white people who are not racist, but they're silent. What we're seeing now is those same white people are now saying we're not going to be silent anymore. And that's the difference that you're seeing. That's the major difference that you're seeing. See, it was a time where I would cry out, listen, I've, I'm being abused. I'm being mistreated. And good white people who weren't, you know, racist, they may say, Will, are you just over-exaggerating? It, it can't be like that. It, you know, I have a friend who's a police officer. My cousin's a police officer. It, it can't be that bad. But now you have them actually starting to see, wait a minute, where there's smoke, there's probably a fire. And so I'm, I'm excited um, that my white and my white brothers and sisters are not being silent anymore. And I really do see some great uh, changes 
is on the horizon. All right. If you're just joining us, this is Let's Talk St. Kitts Nevis. Uh, we're speaking with uh, Dr. Will Moreland, uh, an African-American who can relate so much to what is we're seeing happening around the world with racial injustice. And um, he's speaking to us about that. He's going to be with us for the next 15 minutes or so. All right, Dr. Will, I want to also talk about the, uh, the Caribbean because uh, we're here in the Caribbean. We are a bit fortunate, a bit more fortunate in that as predominantly black people live in, in the region, um, some of the issues that we see happening in the U.S., um, are not necessarily happening here. Yes, there's, there are issues of classism. We see classism happening. There are issues of police brutality in some of the countries across the region. But generally, uh, people in the Caribbean tends, tend to, for the most part, live uh, at peace when it comes to ethnicity and, and racial across the lines, uh, racially. However, um, we can relate in a number of ways because we have seen uh, for, for many decades uh, the, the abuse uh, that uh, people of color have gone through in the U.S. and in, even in Europe. And, and some of us who have migrated to the U.S. have also experienced it ourselves. How do you think the protest actions and what's happening, how do you link it to the Caribbean? How, do, how can we be impacted? And how can we also impact what's going on in the U.S.? That's a great question. So for me, um, it's all about learning wherever you are. One of the things that um, I love about the Caribbean and one of the things that I love about St. Martin is one of the major reasons why I moved here um, here in St. Martin, we have 130 plus different nationalities. I think that is amazing when you can have all these different perspectives, because at the end of the day, we're, we're all going the same way, meaning we, we all just want to enjoy life. We all just want to provide for our families. So for the Caribbean, this is my prayer for the Caribbean, is that they would look at what is going on in the United States. They will look at what has went on through colonization, uh, even here in the Caribbean and in throughout Europe and learn from it and say, okay, who do we want to be? What's going to be our identity? We can see what happened to the US. We can see what happens when you allow this to just fester and fester and fester. So what issues do we have here in the Caribbean that we need to start addressing um, critically and in, in a timely manner so it won't explode like a volcano, like what's going on in uh, London right now. Uh, I lived in Europe for 15 years, and so I saw some injustices there. In Germany, we all remember what happened with the Holocaust. You know, one of the quotes that um, I always like to say is, for evil to continue, all that needs to happen is for good people to remain silent. So what's going on in the Caribbean that we want to change, that needs to be changed? What are those underlining conversations that you're having at, the, uh, at your dinner table that you know is not right? It's not time for complaining. It's time for action. And so I'm calling, as you know, I work with government leaders all around the world. I'm calling for leaders to be leaders. I'm calling for leaders to have courage to say what is not right and what needs to be Fixed. And so specifically here in the Caribbean, as you mentioned, the classism and how do we how do we deal with that? What what do we want to be known for? Do we want to be known for an all inclusive uh, environment? And can that exist? Of course, it can exist. And it only happens. Relationships only get better when you communicate. So we need to start bringing all these parties together, all these different nationalities and all these different perspectives. And we need to start having these uncomfortable conversations that lead to a better Caribbean for today and tomorrow. 
Indeed. Um, on that note as well, um, and, and I want to talk a bit about you, you mentioned um, the protest actions in the UK and we've seen uh, an attempt uh, to have uh, persons who uh, were involved with the, the slave trade back in the, uh, the over 400 years ago, um, statues that were erected in their honor. Uh, were be, are being removed. We've seen it happen in the U.S., uh, in the U.K., in the U.S. as it comes to the Confederate flag and and persons who were um, involved in the in the Civil War that were against, uh, or rather, that were supportive of slavery. Is this the beginning? Uh, is this can can we begin to see? Can we say as 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 people of color that this is the beginning of people realizing the horrors of slavery and what it uh, what it really because you know whenever you try to have a discussion with someone especially a, a white person about slavery they were like you know slavery happened over 400 years ago move on man you know we see the uk prime minister or then prime minister uh, coming to jamaica and telling the jamaican parliament that we need to move on from slavery and there are some people in the caribbean who actually agree with that so are we to then just maybe see this and say okay maybe people are beginning to realize that yes slavery may have happened years ago hundreds of years ago, but it still has an impact on our life today. Man, you're, you're definitely right. You know, I laugh whenever someone tells me that we should just move on and get over it. Just move on and get over it. Well, yes, I believe that's true. You should move on and get over it. But before you move on and get over it, there's some things that need to take place. There's some acknowledgments that need to take place. If you think about your house, if your house gets burned down, if your house gets burned down and you go to your house every single day and you complain about it getting burned down, yes, you need to get over it and move on, but there's some things that need to happen. Maybe some insurance needs to kick in so you can move on. And so that's what I always tell people about slavery. Yes, I'm willing to move on if the acknowledgement that and as you say when you talk to white people in present day what they're trying to say is i don't want to be associated with it you're making me feel like it was my fault but at the same time they need to acknowledge that they benefited from it and one of the examples that i always use is you know i use my my grand my great grandfather and their great grandfather when both of our grandfathers went to start a company your grandfather was able to start a company. My grandfather was not able to start a company because of the color of his skin. Now your family has been able to benefit from your grandfather starting his company, buying his house, being able to take out a loan so he can now build on that house. Now he was able to now build on that house, build his business. He was then able to now send you and your parents to college. Your parents were able to now inherit a house so they could then build their house and then they could help you get into college. So if they don't realize that they've been impacted in a positive way because of slavery, you know, even when you look here in St. Martin, St. Martin went independent um, in the year 2010. They went independent in the year 2010. Some of the, some of the challenges that they're facing is realizing to establish a government, to establish a country is very hard when you have to do it the right way. What I mean by that is when you look at America that was built on the backs, on the backs of slaves, if I can start my company, Andre, and you can start your company, and I can have employees and don't have to pay them, 
How much faster would your company grow if you didn't have to pay your employees and you could work them from 6 a.m. in the morning mm -hmm. to 6 p.m. at night? Yep. Very That's good what we're looking at. See, that it's very easy to say you built a successful company like that. It's very easy when you didn't have to pay anybody to do it. But then look at me and say, what's taking you so long? Well, I'm doing it the right way. St. Martin is trying to do it the right way. They don't have slaves that they could just use for free labor. We now have to figure out a social system, a, med a medical system. How are we gonna take care of our uh, most vulnerable individuals? Well, back in slavery times, they didn't have to worry about that. If you got sick or you weren't profitable anymore, they would kill you and throw you in the river. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if I told that same, that same slave owner, I need you to pay insurance for your slave, I need you to provide housing for your slave, well, then that slave owner wouldn't be that successful. And so for them to say, get over it and move on, I think it's so disingenuous and it really is, you know, um, that once again, we superior mindset. It's once again, easy to tell me to get over it and move on versus you realizing that you benefited from it. Yeah. I, I want to ask you about reparations. I think it would be the next appropriate question, but I know we're limited on time and there is one issue I always want, I want to touch on before you go. And that is, you made a very good analogy. I saw you on your on your Facebook post yesterday, where you pointed out uh, to to someone who asked the question, and we hear this all the time, especially with Black Lives Matter movement, that um, you know black and black crime is on a high, and why is it that um, you know black Americans not not focus on black and black crime before um, even thinking about you know black lives matter in other words all lives matter and by the way we're killing ourselves so why not focus on that as opposed to what they're protesting about how do you respond to that yeah so once again it's about really who's pushing the narrative because when you really look on when you really look at crime crime is not really about color crime is about proximity meaning the people who live closest to you are the people who are going to commit crimes to you. So if we look at the numbers, if we look at Latino on Latino, white on white crimes, more white people kill white people than black people kill white people because it's about proximity. More white people rob white people because it's about proximity. So it's not about, it's not about color. It's not about black on black crime. It's not white on white crime. It's about proximity. When you look at who's in your neighborhood, that's probably who's going to rob you. That's probably who you're going to have issues with. So whenever someone tries to bring up, um, and the example that I use, uh, just a short, quick example, if your kid came to you and said, I'm hungry, can you feed me mommy or daddy? And you turned to them and said, well, I just saw your report card and you had a C and you had a D on your report card. When you bring your report card up to all A's, then I'll think about feeding you. That's the same cruelty and insensitive, uh, insensitivity uh, that I hear when someone says, well, yes, uh, police are killing you, but if you would stop killing yourself, then we would go fix the police. No, that's not how that works. I, I shouldn't have to fix everything for me to be protected by the people who get paid for my taxes to protect me. And so when we, we start looking at that and start talking about that, 
Um, it's, it's always just funny to me. And it's, I, you know, what I'm finding out, especially over the last two months of having these discussions, literally with people all around the world, the people who really want to get it, Andre, and really want to be a part of the change, they're going to get it, realize it, and make the necessary adjustments in their thinking and in their life. But the people who really just are, you know, I was just reading a post um, last night, and this gentleman, he was just hell-bent on keeping his mindset, his frame of thinking to make it seem like there really is no issue. I found out that trying to convince those people is just a waste of time and a waste of breath. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Dr. Morland, it is, is precisely 50 minutes going up to the top of the hour, and I know you have to run. So again, I want to take this time to thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us uh, on the show. It's a pleasure to have you, and we certainly have to have this conversation continued at some other point. We definitely do, man. I appreciate the time, and uh, I look forward to coming back to your show. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Here you have a great day. Okay, you then. Do. All right. That's uh, Dr. Will Morland, uh, motivational speaker and uh, uh uh, personal developer, life coach, uh, originally from the U.S., Amer African-American. He now lives in St. Martin, uh, speaking with us here on Let's Talk St. Kitts and Nevis as we're talking about racial injustice in the United States. We have about 40 minutes to go, but we're going to take a break and come back. We'll continue our discussion on the topic. I may have a guest on the other side of the line. You don't want to miss this. This is Let's Talk St. Kitts Nevis right here on Voice of the Caribbean Radio at voiceofthecaribbean.net. We go up until 11 a.m. We'll be right back. For all your printing needs at top-notch quality, go, go to, to Digital, Digital Print, Print Plus, Plus, located on Princess Street, Bastier, St. Kitts. At Digital Print Plus, you get the best in business cards, letterheads, envelopes, wristbands, tent cards, rack cards, flyers, brochures, logo designs, posters, photos, architectural designs, 3D renderings, and so much more. Digital Print Plus gives you the best quality at competitive prices. Contact us at 767-7468 or email digitalprintskn at gmail.com or follow us on Facebook at Digital Print SKN. Digital Print Plus for all your printing needs at the best quality. It's straight talk. Move and see if it's possible. Do something. I want pump. It's a program where you can share your views. If the government of the day had managed the resources of that SIDF, we wouldn't have been in the situation we are in today. Ask your questions. How come the operation rescue? Guys, the two of them stop making eyes about the man who built the house on the beach. And speak your mind. We, we got to beat up and look for what we want with them. Here on Voice of the Caribbean Radio, Mondays and Wednesdays at 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. and on Saturdays at 10 a.m. With your host, Ian Patches Lybird, for Straight Talk. Banners, commercial signs, decal printing, canvas prints, license plates, posters. We at Multigraphics are dedicated to providing quality products and service to our customers. Our team takes pride in the craftsmanship and is passionate about its work. 
Every job, large or small, is important. Most of our customers come to us through referrals. That's because our number one priority is service. We serve a wide variety of customers, such as restaurants, retail stores, manufacturers, trucking companies, and many more. Our capabilities include design, production, and installation. How can we help? We are located at Bird Rock at the Woods Wright Compound. Call us at 869-763-1511 or 784-491-7599. Multigraphics. Now you can have SK Newsline on the go. Introducing SK Newsline Android mobile app. Search SK Newsline in the Google Play Store. Download the app free and stay up to date with TV news in St. Kitsinevis in the palm of your hands. With this app, you can watch your news reports, watch our live news feed on SK Newsline TV, engage with us and other app users in the chat room, look at our special features, send us news tips, and call us directly. It's, it's news, news on the, the go. go. The SK Newsline Android mobile app. Download it free today. You're listening to Voice of the Korean Radio at voiceofthecaribbean.net. Welcome back to Let's Talk. Thank you, Steve, is here on Voice of the Caribbean Radio at voiceofthecaribbean.net. We've been speaking extensively on the issue of racial injustice in the United States and around the world in particular, but especially in the U.S. as we see what's happening now um, with the protests, actions, um, uh, happening in the United States. Now, we, uh, if you're joining us, if you're just joining us, you missed a very great interview we had with um, uh, Dr. Will Moreland, an African-American motivational speaker and life coach, uh, speaking with us on his experience, what he has experienced in the U.S. Um, as an African-American and what needs to be done to help fix the problem that we're seeing happening in the U.S. today. Now, we're going to dedicate the final furlong of the show to a look at what's going on internationally. And one of the things that we spoke about in the interview with Dr. Moreland was the fact that in some countries right now in the U.S., there are talks about removing the Confederate statue. Uh, we're seeing um, a lot of action happening in that regard. Uh, the, the statue is honoring Confederate leaders, honoring Confederate leaders. In the UK, we saw uh, a statue being removed and thrown in the lake um, of a uh, an individual who benefited from the slave trade or was actually a slave trader. And we've seen a lot of this happening now. Now we 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 put the qu- we're going to be giving you some insights into that. The BBC did a, a very good, extensive piece on that. And we're going to share some of it. We won't be able to do all of it for the remainder of the time we have. But just to let you know that this program will rebroadcast uh, for the rest of the week uh, from Wednesday on the way to Friday at 10 a.m. right here on Voice of the Caribbean Radio. So make sure you do stay tuned to that. All right, so we're going to give you that report now from the BBC, um, an extensive piece they did on the removal of slave traders' statue, which toppled in Bristol as thousands joined anti-racism protests in the U.K. 
people took part in further anti-racism protests across Britain today with the statue of a 17th century slave trader pulled down in Bristol. The monument to Edward Colston, which had stood in the city centre for more than a century, was toppled and pushed into the river. The latest demonstrations came 13 days after the killing of George Floyd by US police and despite the government here urging people not to take part because of the risk of catching or spreading coronavirus. Tonight, Boris Johnson defended the right to protest peacefully but said the weekend's demonstrations had been subverted by thuggery. From Bristol, John Kay sent us this report. 300 years after his death, Edward Colston's fall from grace. For centuries, he took pride of place in Bristol, celebrated as a merchant, politician and philanthropist. Now reviled for his part in the slave trade. That statue represents years of oppression. It represents years of hurt and just a lot of emotion that, and hatred that has been built up inside of us, that's it, we've internalised for years. And that coming down today hopefully signifies change. Hopefully we've sent a message not just to everyone in the UK or the USA worldwide. Cast in bronze, now daubed with graffiti, one of Bristol's most famous sons. Some protesters knelt on his neck a reference to the death of George Floyd across the Atlantic. This had begun as a Black Lives Matter demonstration, but it ended in the historic docks where Colston's ships once sailed. Gone. Gone. Jasmine is a trainee teacher. What do you say to somebody who lives in Bristol who's horrified by the fact that this is gone? People might say it's vandalism, but black people have to walk these streets. Black slaves built Bristol. We have to walk these streets and see that statue of Colston's every day. That's what it means. That statue is a, is a kick in the face to all black people. There has been a growing campaign in recent years to remove Colston's name from buildings across the city. But many feel destroying the statue was the wrong way to do it. Tonight, there was a small counter-protest, claiming local history had been trashed. Sheer vandalism and disorder completely is unacceptable. And it's right, actually, the police follow up on that and make sure that justice um, is taken, undertaken, with those individuals that are responsible for such disorderly and lawless behaviour. Avon and Somerset police say they deliberately took a low-key approach to the whole protest due to sensitivities, safety and social distancing. Some people will look at this and think, hang on a minute, you should have intervened, you should have stepped in, you should have at least challenged the behaviour that was happening. But this was a very difficult policing operation. There's a lot of context that sits around it, and I believe we did the right thing. No regrets? No regrets. Well, this evening, people are coming down here laying placards, and many of them just standing looking in disbelief at what has happened here, that in one afternoon, this city has challenged its history and changed its landscape. John Kay, BBC News, Bristol. 
Elsewhere, protests took place in several parts of the country, with thousands gathering at the U.S. Embassy in London. A small number remained near Downing Street into this evening, and they have just been ordered to disperse by police. Chichi Zundu reports. Another day where thousands have marched peacefully against racism. In London, the focus was the U.S. Embassy. Uh, I'm from Oakland, California. So I grew up with a lot of police violence around me. And it's something I don't want my son to experience in his life. So that's uh, one of the reasons why I'm in this country, because it is less violent, but it's still, there's still racism. So we have to fight it. So therefore, we're here today. This is my deep passion. And, I, and I, I'm here because I believe that black people deserve the same chance as everybody else. We need to tackle racism and we've never really dealt with it in this country and many countries and there comes a time when we all have to speak up. In Glasgow, protesting safely during the pandemic was a concern for organisers. I think the turnout is amazing, it's really inspiring uh, and it's amazing to see people already taking social distancing measures seriously and doing the best they can to stay safe today. In Wrexham, people also protested mindful of the two-metre social distancing. This was the M6, which was partially closed for one hour after protesters blocked the roads. But the day has been marred by a minority. 27 police officers have been injured during this week's demonstrations, but that number is likely to rise after this evening. Bottles, traffic cones and other objects were thrown at officers as they tried to clear protesters out of Whitehall. It's been a week of protests across the UK and thousands have taken to the streets to have their voices heard. But where does this go and what happens next? Gigi Zindu, BBC News. Well, on that note, we're going to end the program at that point. Uh, that uh, report there coming from the BBC was an extensive feature that we had on the BBC from the BBC that we brought here for you to close off the show today. Really a very interesting show. If you did miss it from the start, the live show, please uh, listen again tomorrow and for the rest of the week at 10 a.m. from now until the, uh, Friday, that is, at 10 a.m. each day for another edition for the rebroadcast of this program. Let's talk to Nevis as we discussed the issue of social injustice. We'll be back again next week with a brand new show. So do, of course, stay tuned to Voice of the Caribbean Radio at voiceofthecaribbean.net, reaching the Caribbean and beyond. We want to thank our listeners and viewers who joined us on Facebook Live. And we have so much coming your way. Again, thank all of those who have joined us. And, and of course, thank our guest, Dr. Will Moreland, who was on at the first half of the show to speak to us extensively on the issue of racial injustice. I'm Andre Huey, and as all of us, from all of us here at Voice of the Caribbean Radio, do have yourself a pleasant rest of your day and continue to listen to Voice of the Caribbean Radio, reaching the Caribbean and beyond. Talk St. Kitts and Nevis, a talk show and current affairs program focusing on St. Kitts and Nevis, the Caribbean, and international news. Every Tuesday at 10 a.m. on Voice of the Caribbean Radio, join host Andre Huey as he delves into topical issues of the day. We'll open the lines so you can call in and be part of the discussion, and he'll feature guests each week to help shed light on the various topics of discussion. 
Let's Talk St. Kitts and Nevis with Andre Huey, Tuesdays at 10 a.m., with rebroadcasts on Wednesdays and Fridays, also at 10 a.m., on Voice of the Caribbean Radio at voiceofthecaribbean.net. Also listen on our Android mobile app and tune in radio. Voice of the Caribbean Radio, reaching the Caribbean and beyond. Now you can have SK Newsline on the go. Introducing SK Newsline Android mobile app. Search SK Newsline in the Google Play Store. Download the app free and stay up to date with TV news in St. Kitts in the palm of your hands. With this app, you can watch your news reports, watch our live news feed on SK Newsline TV, engage with us and other app users in the chat room, look at our special features, send us news tips, and call us directly. It's news on the go. The SK Newsline Android mobile app. Download it free today. You're listening to the voice of the Caribbean radio, your source for news, sports, and entertainment in the Caribbean.